Hello, this is the NPR Politics Podcast. Okay, we are here to talk about books like Taking a Stand, Against the Tide, Leadership, and Crisis, which are just a few indistinguishable book titles from presidential candidates this election year. We're going to talk about why candidates write these books, who reads them, what they can tell normal voters, and what I want to know, which is why can't they just name their books like Beyonce named her last album? It was called Beyonce. Simple. You know it's her. That's such a brilliant idea. Right? I, yeah. It didn't work at all, though, when my band... When, the Ron Elvins? No, my, 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 <laughs> my, my band tried to call its first album Beyonce. And oh! It just lay It there. was before its time. That it, was, that's what it was. In, in the parlance of the record industry, it just lay there. Yeah. Okay, intros. I'm Sam Sanders, campaign reporter here at NPR. I'm Danielle Kurtzleben, digital political reporter for NPR. And I'm Ron Elving, editor and correspondent. So today we are talking campaign trail books. And so I'm going to start by giving you guys a couple of book titles, and you're going to tell me which candidate, current race or past race, wrote them. Oh, that's, like, going to be hopeless. So, for example, if I were to say hard choices, you guys would say... Hillary Clinton. There you go. All right. So... let's Quick. Well, well, it's the HC. It, it, it just gives oh, itself away. Oh, I never got that. Our no. choices, HC. All yeah. right, here we go. Uh, we'll start easy. American Dreams. That was a show, right, on TV? Is that Marco? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Marco Rubio. Yeah, okay. because, you know, he's the Cuban-American parents, yeah, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. All right, um, next one, A Call to Service. Uh, Ted that Cruz? Could be, that could be anybody. It's not, ju- it's not this campaign. Oh. Like, these are, all of these are the oh, last. Oh, John Kerry? Yeah. You see it, him out Ron there Ron is the like stage. batting, was it 1,000 or 100 that you He's saluting. 1,000. He, when they introduced him, <laughs> he, he, he can says, bat 100. He says, John Kerry reporting for duty. Yeah. Right. I remember that like salute he did. Trope All right, here we go. Putting people first. Bill Clinton? Yeah. Oh. Clinton and Gore together. Clinton and Gore together. Put which, together a... Which made it really obvious that it hadn't been written by either of them. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right, we have a couple tougher ones. We know what to do. Do you know what to do? I do. I'll you tell know what to seriously? do. That is we the know title what to do. of one of these campaign books? Mm-hmm. We, we know, know what, what to do? do. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's like, we know what you did. <laughs> Last summer. Great movie. No? Anybody? We know what to do? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. Who in the world? No, Lamar Alexander. Who is that? Lamar Alexander? He He's was... now a senator from Tennessee, but he, he was... ran for president back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. I got to get my Wikipedia You know, that's strong. funny. I thought he had another slogan. Well, and he was, by the way, he was the first guy with the exclamation point. Oh. All his bumper stickers said, Lamar. Lamar. Oh, my gosh. With an exclamation point. Did he win? No. So then, <laughs> with an exclamation <laughs> note point. to self and all of everybody, but stop with the exclamation <laughs> points. Maybe how about that? Just throwing that out there. How Message about a, received. How yeah. about a semicolon or something. All right. What, are we, what have you guys got at the point of this though? Which is that these titles could belong to literally anyone. A title that sounds Republican can be a Democrat title, and vice versa. And the contents are often pretty. Does anyone even read these books? People buy them. See, that's the point. Yeah. They, they look great on the New York Times, you know, list of bestsellers and mm-hmm. stuff because people buy them but when you start to really read most of them they're just not readable well like I followed Ben Carson on his book tour for like four stops in South Texas recently and I met a few women who bought like 10 or 15 copies a piece though and they like, were what giving them out to their friends or their, they had a book club or what was going on I don't on? know it's, it's like you know fans of some particular band buying many copies of their CD even though you know obviously they can only listen to one right. they give them to other people and it's also their way of showing loyalty 
I've done this. I've you have a Motorhead you T-shirt sitting around at home. That I'm you got that of, much more of a Husker Do kind of guy. <laughs> just pick a you know name out of it. <laughs> just, yeah, just at random. Mm-hmm. No, but I mean, the funny thing is, so I read all of Donald Trump's book this week. So we didn't have oh. to. It's called Crippled America. So first of all. This is not a title that is quite the same as the rest of these titles. This is a sad title. It sort of yeah. goes along with and the rest kind of this campaign. And it kind of has sad face on the cover, a mean face. Yeah, it's kind of like, I'm he's, holding up for you guys. Donald Trump he's, is not impressed. He's ferocious looking on it's, it. It's like when your dad says, I'm very disappointed in you, and he, except he's super disappointed he's in you. He's pulling his belt out from the loops on his <laughs> trousers. But, oh, actually, that is one of the first things he addresses in this book is... Why he has an angry face. Yeah, it, it starts out, some readers may be wondering why the picture we used on the cover of this book is so angry and so mean looking. The thing is, he wanted to make sure he drove home the point that he is really upset with the direction America is taking. Okay. Did you like the book? <laughs> what is now it? don't laugh. What is it, what is it no, that crippled I'm, America? I'm not trying to... I mean, America wasn't always crippled, but crippled poor America. A wide variety of things. Too loose of immigration laws, Obamacare, bad tax policy. I mean... I will hand it to Donald Trump. I cannot imagine that this was ghostwritten. This book reads like a very extended Donald Trump stump speech. It's, okay. It sounds like his voice. It's, it, I really can imagine him having dictated this whole thing, like just saying it out loud. It sounds the way he talks. Is that a good thing? It, you know, it made it more readable and a bit. It was entertain. It was a very whirlwind of a book. It, however, it jumps from one topic to another. And here's an anecdote of when I was awesome. And here's a fight that I picked with someone. And here's a policy, by the way, that I want. So it really hops around. But in general, the broader point is, like with any other candidate's book, you learn almost nothing new except for a few new fights that you didn't know he had yeah. picked over the years. I mean, because yeah. like, I think of the last book by a politician that I read. It was Obama's book, Dreams of My Father, which came out well before he was running for office. Yes, but not before it had occurred to him that he might. And like that one seems very candid. I th- Felt like it was written by him, and mm-hmm. I believe it was, and yeah. it told his life story in a very real and poignant way. And I feel like some of these books that these politicians write, when they're running for things, they either aren't allowed to or can't be or don't choose to be that real. Am mm-hmm. I correct in saying this? Yeah. I mean, I talked to a few uh, political management experts this week, people who have you know worked on campaigns, et cetera, and they... They said, you know, there are different flavors of books. And, you know, there are the dreams from my father, the things that people have written well before they yeah. ran for office. They're yeah. like Gifted Hands. Um, I'm not sure exactly. Which did quite ben well. Carson, ben Carson's book. Yeah. yeah. And that's been it's been a while since that was yeah. written as yeah, well. Yeah. But then you have things, you know, that are written, you know, like The Audacity of Hope is a, is a big contrast from Dreams from My exactly. Father. And even though reviewers said, you know, it, it's kind of substantive. He's a good writer. In the same breath, you would have, for example, the New York Times' Michiko Kakutani said, you know, it's a campaign document. It's still pretty blah, just just as any of these books are. They are intended to be very much part of the campaign. And I can tell you that people sit around at a table and say, well, okay, if you're going to run for president, you're going to need to raise this money. You're going to need to go to these places, write a campaign book. And it's just on the list. And oftentimes it's drafted, at least, by someone other than the candidate, mm-hmm. stitching together things that they may have said in speeches, if it's a governor or a senator, they've given lots and lots of speeches, and they stitch a lot of that stuff together, and they just try to make it into something that looks like a book. I know people who have done this. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't mean to suggest that this is some sort of great expose. It's called ghostwriting. It happens all the time. Right. But it is particularly native to this genre of literature. So then what would happen if a candidate was like, uh, I don't want to write a book? Like, 
Do you have to write a book? More or less. I mean, Why, it, though? It, I mean, it, does it, it make it, you money? Like, like, how does it help you in terms of campaign? It, it, campaign? Is, it establishes a certain degree of seriousness, gravitas. People like to think the president is literate. Oh, look, he actually wrote a book, or she actually wrote a book. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that makes the person seem more consequential. I think this is probably dying as a cultural tradition, but there was a time when people assumed anyone who wrote a book was, you know, had it going on. I mean, something was going on with this person if they could yeah. actually write a whole book. Yeah. And uh-huh. then if some publishing house actually would put it between hard covers and put a nice piece of paper around it, it must be something. Mm-hmm. That must be a person with something to say. So then what would make campaign books better? Asking both of you guys. Especially you, Danielle, because you read this book. What would have made that one better? Trump's book. I mean, part of it would have been, you know, it, in this particular case, maybe a cohesive narrative, you know, some okay. sort of beginning, middle, end okay. going on. I mean, he, he, it really hops around a lot, but it's something that goes a bit more in depth. Like, you know, I recognize there are potential consequences to these policies, but here they are. Or something that, if not that, you know, what makes someone compelling is their faults, you know? And so, and I think maybe that's a major flaw of a campaign book. Okay. And too often their lectures or their campaign speeches, but there is an interesting Donald Trump story. There have been some profiles of him that are... He's a very interesting man. Yes, yeah, he, he is yeah. infinitely interesting he's, to me, at least. Well, among other things, we, we, uh, we learned reading John Meacham's new book about George H.W. Bush that uh, Donald Trump tried very hard to be considered right? as his vice presidential choice in 1988, which is 27 Wait, years ago. Almost 30 years ago, this man was trying to get himself into the White House. So... That's interesting. There are probably one or two other things about him we don't know. And the more you could actually put into a book like this, even if it was somewhat, shall we say, sanitized, it would be a lot more interesting than what people actually do. So then knowing that, knowing how flawed the average campaign book is, do they actually serve voters in any respect? I wish I could encourage people to look for an alternative in a good journalistic treatment of book length about each candidate they're taking seriously. And such books do exist, Some more about some candidates than others, of course. You can read any number of books pro and con on Hillary Clinton, but mm-hmm. if, if you can find a reasonably well-balanced treatment from a journalistic perspective at book So length, not from the campaign teams. Right. Exactly. Okay. So then I would urge, you know, if you're really interested in a candidate, you really want to know about them, get their campaign book, and then alternatively, get the journalistic perspective at book length. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of reading. It is. Well, you can always just watch TV and get a lot of ads and (laughs) listen to the radio and get a lot of good information from NPR. Or you can keep listening to the NPR Politics Podcast. Uh, See what I did there? That is all the time we have. I am Sam Sanders, campaign reporter at NPR News. I'm Danielle Kurtzleben, digital political reporter. And I'm Ron Elving, editor and correspondent. We will see you next time here on the NPR Politics Podcast. 